Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Hello, ladies. Dr. Fiona Lovely here of Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast, Making Hormones Make Sense. I hope everyone's had a great couple of weeks. So um, a few things before we get too far into it. I was on the West Coast, like the absolute West Coast of Canada, um, last weekend and for several days. And it was lovely restorative time for me and uh, connection time for me and my husband, my husband and I. And... um, Oh, wow. I just posted a picture on the Facebook page of, uh, I got to spend some time at a beautiful spa location there. And one of the staff was kind enough to take what she called as the art shot of me overlooking the ocean while in my spa robe, no less. (laughs) It was awesome. So I invite you to find your way to our Facebook page, which is at Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast on Facebook. And show me a picture of your own self-care. Submit um, or uh, comment with a picture. That would be great. I'd love to see what you guys are doing. Of course, it's a long weekend here in Canada. Um, That would be the Victoria Day long weekend, or if you're from Ontario, May 2-4 weekend. And... um, which is a lovely reference to what people get up to on this weekend. Of course, next weekend is Memorial Day weekend in the States. And so it's a beautiful Saturday morning here. The sun is finally shining. It's starting to act like spring here in Western Canada. So, um, yeah, I'm so glad to be back with you. So, have you heard about the Menopause Help Guide? It's a mini course that I'm running right now until May 24th at 11 p.m. Mount Standard Time is when the doors will close for enrollment on this mini course. And it's uh, basically uh, four modules that give you the basic information you need for health and balance and to start to return to yourself during those perimenopausal years. So if you're interested, check it out. Uh, the link is bit.ly slash menopause shift. There's also a link on my website, which is drlovely.expert. Um, there's also links in the Facebook page. So let me give that to you again. bit.ly slash menopause shift. So what I'm super jazzed about is I just recorded the material for module three, which is the brain health module and the spiritual aspects of perimenopause. And, uh, oh, I dive deep on so many cool and interesting things. I just, it just jazzes me. My husband reminds me of how much of a nerd I am about the brain. I love the brain. I especially extra love the brain. I mean, hormones are cool, but the brain, oh my God, I love it. I love it. Anyways, I thought I'd pull out one of the pieces of, uh, of the menopause help guide and, um, share it with you a little bit today. And that is the concept of controlling the stress response, especially for women. So the reality is we live in such a way that it's very difficult for us to be away from stress. It's just part of achievement and having a certain lifestyle that a lot of us have in the first world. And, you know, 
what you can do if you can't get rid of the stress. Stress. I mean, we all all be nice to to retire out to the wet west coast and and uh, gaze at navels and oceans for the rest of our lives. But should that be your flavor, that's definitely my flavor. Um, however, it doesn't really pay the bills. So. <laughs> Uh, it's just not all that pragmatic. But we can control how we respond to stressful situations. And so I'm going to give you some nuggets of information and some uh, action steps that you can do today to get you to uh, better stress control. So um, the thing about stress is that it literally affects all, every single system in the body and most importantly the brain and we can now uh, um, look at modern trends in in health and more than 90 percent of what kills us these days is stuff that is connected to lifestyle management and stress management things like heart disease diabetes cancer etc and all of those uh health issues can be assisted with the ability to handle stress better. So stress affects how the brain works. And when the brain becomes inflamed with stress hormones, you have a much higher rate of dementia and Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative issues. Um, Certainly stress affects the ability to make the neurotransmitters or the messages or messengers of the brain and the brain system, the neurons. It certainly affects your ability to produce hormones, not the least of which is the um, the pregnenolone steel, which is the process that happens by the adrenal glands where the mother hormone to make progesterone is actually stolen by the stress handling system to make cortisol. So if you're continuously shunting mother hormone into stress system because your body is perceiving stress over and over and over again, you have no chance of really making enough progesterone to balance the system. So of course you're going to have symptoms in perimenopause. It's just how it is. You know, one of the biggest things we look at in terms of what is causing stress and something you may not be thinking about is how well you control and regulate your blood sugar. So when you have, and this is not just for diabetics or those who are insulin resistant, it's for all of us. And so what happens is the brain uses uh, glucose exclusively as its fuel, and you want to keep that fuel level Uh, constant. You don't want it to be high highs and low lows because what happens is you get brain fog, you get brain inflammation, you get neurodegeneration kicking in, and it all adds up to aging of the brain long before it has to really be an issue. So the way you look at that is, is, is by the quality of your feed. Okay. So the food we take in is not just to make us feel good. I know, shocking. Um, or bad for that matter, Um, but it's really there because it's our fuel. Now, I invite you to look at what's on your plate next time you're eating and say, does this look like fuel for quality body and brain? Fuel for quality, quality body and brain looks like this. Protein, meat, eggs, dairy. Again, I know dairy is a controversial subject, and some say for brain health it's just a major no-no, but I'm just going to leave it in there because it is also a source of protein, and you can decide what's right for you. Um, Fish, 
avocados, coconut oil, nuts and seeds. So you need to have protein and you need to have healthy fats. Those two things need to go, uh, are, are the base for great brain and body fuel. Now, when you eat your carbohydrates, eat them in the form of vegetables because when you have uh, fiber with the carbs, uh, which is sugar, then you're, it doesn't cause the spikes. There's the, the, the more constant and continuous level of blood glucose, so super, super important. So what happens when you go high, high, or low, low, with your blood sugar like you would because here's one of the 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 re this is one of the ways we forget uh about the importance of blood sugar is that when you wake up in the morning you should eat something right away you should eat something proteinaceous so something that has protein and some healthy fats would be great so like seriously like a handful of nuts no big deal because i know what you all are saying you're all i'm not hungry when i get out of bed that's not the point you've been fasting so your brain needs fuel Okay, so when you have your coffee, if you're not having the Bulletproof coffee, which has um, the uh, uh, grass-fed butter or the MCT oil, and gosh, there's something else that goes in there. I've had it a couple of times. It's really quite interesting. Maybe a trend I need to get better into. Anyways, um, then uh, um, have yourself a little protein snack, okay, just to give your brain some fuel. So you break that fast. Okay, because you've been fasting since your meal the night before. That's one of the ways we stress the brain without really realizing it because you haven't even had the hunger signal. So keeping your blood sugar regulated throughout the day is super, super important. Also, your brain wants daily quiet time. And I'm not talking about time by yourself on Facebook or your other social media or your Netflix. I'm talking about quiet time, sitting or lying or walking in peace where you're not distracted by anything other than what you see, okay? So um, maybe it's a meditation. Uh, Maybe you're sitting and listening to music. Maybe you're in the bathtub and there's no distraction except the sound of the bubbles or the sound of the jets. Um, Beautiful connection with self. Super important, very much uh, uh, gives you some resilience against those stressful moments, connection with self. Make sure you also have a daily pleasure practice. So, you know, as women, we're hardwired for pleasure. We do a really crap job of actually keeping that up. So we've been... We've been given the systems to be hardwired for pleasure, but we turn away from it because it's not what good girls do or... We're taught to take care of others before ourselves, or somehow it just feels luxurious, um, which it is, but it's not a luxury. It's something that our brains and our bodies need every single day. So what is the pleasure for you? Maybe it's sitting at your kitchen table with your cup of tea, watching the birds in the backyard. Um, and this reminds me, I was awake at four o'clock this morning and I was thinking, what the hell are the birdies so happy about at this hour? They're making all kinds of noise. Anyways, I guess they're just, yay, the sun is up. Oh my goodness, the sun's coming. Yay. (laughs) Maybe they got this whole pleasure and self-care thing down. Anyways, um, (laughs) you might hear me complain about that one again. Not really a complaint because it's actually a joyful sound. But anyways, when you're trying to sleep, maybe not so much. Uh, So get back to the place where you're doing things that give you pleasure. What is that for you? Is it a nap? Is it 
uh, taking a walk in nature? Is it having a tea with a girlfriend? Is it self-cultivation, as Dr. Northrup calls, which is what we're now calling masturbation? Okay, everybody's freaking out because I said that word. Oh my God. (laughs) Self-cultivation. Again, it doesn't have to be sexual. It just has to be pleasurable. Maybe it's giving yourself a manicure. Maybe it's just sitting in your chair and listening to a great piece of music. Again, the quiet time connection with self can also be the daily pleasure practice. Super important for your brain. And you can knock out a few of the other things that the brain likes too. Quiet time, connection time, you name it. So again, I talked about blood sugar and nutrient control. That one's super important. Make sure you're eating throughout the day rather than it being two meals. Because I know for a long time, the thought was, um, I'm only going to eat twice a day, which means there's some part of your day where you're going a really long time without eating. And that's just really tough for the brain. Okay. So choose healthy thoughts. Now, listen, this is a tough one, right? This is something I struggle with too, and I think all of us do. I think while we are hardwired for pleasure, we're also hardwired to watch and assess the environment and surroundings for threat, okay? Because that's our job as the mom. We take care of uh, the babies while our, our men folk are out hunting and gathering, okay? So... Um, The thing about healthy thoughts is that's a tough one to overcome, especially if you've spent 40 plus years in a certain thought pattern. But here's a cool little trick. So it turns out that breathing and thoughts go hand in hand in terms of quality and feedback to each other. So um, this is one of the ways you can start to control that fight or flight response is by choosing either to improve your thoughts, which will improve your breathing, or improve your breathing, which will improve your thoughts. And I think improving your breathing is a far easier uh, path than trying to improve your thoughts because you can do it, but it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of vigilance and, you know, you're going to screw it up, which will make you feel bad and, you know, like all of that stuff, right? So just go to breathing. I've taught you breathing in the podcast before, but let's go over it again. You want to take your breath in through your nose. Now, look, this is not every day um, doing your activities. I'm thinking about 16th things breathing. This is once an hour stop and take 10 deep breaths like this. Uh, Nice deep breath in through the nose. Fill, lift the chest. You want to take in a breath about three to five seconds long. You can go to six if you need to. And then you're going to breathe out through your mouth with your lips pursed as if you're about to give a kiss, um, except your mouth open just a little bit. And you're going to breathe out twice as long. So if you if your breath in was, if your inhale was four seconds, then your exhale is going to be eight, okay? So in for four, out for eight. Slow and steady to get it out. The first few times you try to push it out through your mouth, you'll huff it out, and you won't get anywhere near that eight mark. So you really want to be slow and steady and measured about pushing it out. So that does the... Um, gas exchange, which happens deep in the lungs, it, it helps all of that happen. But most importantly, when you improve the quality of your breath, you improve the quality of your thoughts. They go hand in hand. And isn't that just, seriously, isn't that just the most fascinating thing? So when your breath becomes deeper and slower, everything changes. Your brain waves regulate and start to slow down. Your heart rate slows down. Your genetic expression, okay, um, changes just by breathing slower. It matters. 
it matters. Your breath matters. And finally, good sleep hygiene. Super important. There's been a whole podcast or two or three on important healthy habits for sleep. So make sure you're doing everything you need to to get a quality night's sleep, um, seven to eight hours. If you want to do more, that's fine. Everybody's a little bit different with that. But, um, you know, make sure you don't eat and three hours or so before you go to sleep. Make sure there's the TV's off. Make sure you're um, not doing any kind of work with your electronics, uh, your handheld devices, your, can you tell I was just flying handheld devices, uh, your iPad and your, your phone, all of that stuff just really needs to be off or on uh, um warm mode so that you can look at the screen, although it depends on how bad the issue is. If the issue is really bad, it just shouldn't be there at all. Something else that really changed for me recently is I finally took the advice of, I think Ariana Huffington was the first one I heard this from, was to charge your devices outside of the bedroom. And so I thought, well, I can't not have my phone next to the bed. So not for any other reason. It's not like I wake up in the middle of the night and check my phone, although I know there are some of you that do. Um, but I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to take that advice. So I did, I moved, uh, um, I moved the, um, charging, t- uh, cell phone across the hall to my office and you know something, the quality of my sleep changed. It actually got better. So there's something to this. Uh, so really listen to that. And if you're somebody that's reading on your iPad in bed, like I do, just make sure you shut it off before you like absolutely shut it off. Not just close the cover, but turn it off completely so that, um, uh, you and before you put it under the pillow, it turns out that the Wi-Fi signal that's flying around our house is um, is quite disruptive to the brain. So we may not be perceiving it, obviously, but our brain is perceiving it and acting accordingly. So make your bedroom a Wi-Fi free zone by not having any devices that actually connect, and that includes your Fitbit while you sleep. That's just a it's just not really a great idea because you got that Bluetooth technology connecting and it's right near your body. I don't know. I'm not a fan. So let's, um, although I certainly have one for, for my pedometer for when I'm, when I'm doing steps. So, you know, like, but I'm not trying to sleep during that time. So again, just be really cautious with that kind of thing. Okay. Hopefully there was something helpful for you here today. Um, be sure to check out the menopause help guide. Uh, bit.ly slash menopause shift will get you to the page that has all the details on the um, on the mini course and that's just until next Wednesday at 11 p.m. MST uh, Mount Standard Time and then the doors will be closing. I'm not sure when I will do enrollment again. Uh, be sometime later this year but probably around uh, Christmas time so maybe around Christmas time. We'll see. We'll just see. So everybody, have a great week. If you're in Canada, have a great long week. I hope you had a great long weekend by the time this podcast is released. And if uh, if you're not, if you happen to be in America, then have a great Memorial Day long weekend. Of course, this is when all the great movies start to be released for the summer season. So take your... Take your sweetie out on a date night and everyone be safe and have a great holiday. And if you're in the rest of the world, then I hope you just have a fantastic week. Take care, everybody. Check me out on my website, drlovely.expert, if you want more information. Bye now. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. 
If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your healthcare provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.